Good morning. My name is Clark Morris. I'm not the normal preacher. I'm just a deacon here. That'll be evident to you in just a few minutes. Um, And it may seem like a conspiracy because my son Jacob uh, spoke last week and now uh, I'm speaking this week. And so maybe we won't be surprised if Stephanie is preaching next week. (laughs) Or maybe we would be surprised. But she can preach. Let me tell you, I've heard them. Oh, man. They hit you right in the heart. She can preach it. After service last Sunday, we drove, and we had some family here, and we were celebrating birthdays at our house, so we drove to the grocery store, Price Chopper in Liberty, and uh, uh, Jacob uh, was with me, and we were getting ice cream and ice, you know, stuff you use to celebrate with, and uh, he was in his suit, and uh, he, the the gentleman who was ringing us up uh, is also a Liberty North student, as Jake is. And so he looked at Jake and kind of puzzling, he said, Why are you dressed up? Why are you dressed up? You know, there was a day, there was a day when people wouldn't wonder why people were dressed up on a Sunday morning. And I bet, I bet that if you went to the grocery store, you went to that same grocery store today after service, and you get some Tostitos, and you get some nacho cheese, and you get some salsa, and maybe a bowl in the shape of a football, and you go to the register, they're not going to ask you, is there a game today? Because they know there's a game today. And praise be to God that you know that you have a God today that deserves and is your honor to worship. So thank you for being here. Brothers and sisters, the fields are white for harvest, but the workers are few. We have our work to do. You know, uh, this game today, uh, I don't really care that much about, even though I'm a, I love football. But I, I don't care that much about it because, you know, it's the Falcons and the Patriots. Who cares about them, right? It's been 47 years since the Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl. 47 years. How long, Lord? How long? So, you know, that makes me kind of, makes my normal passion for football, makes me a little dispassionate. You know, and I'll probably be more excited about the commercials than I will about the game. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, a week ago, I had to uh, go and buy some new shaving cream because I ran out of shaving cream. And uh, so, you know, I went to Target. They had a sale, actually. If you bought three, you got one free. So I brought four cans of Edge Shaving Gel. Sensitive skin. I'm sensitive. And... I went home, and then the next morning, I pull out my brand new can. See, what's great about a brand new can of shaving gel is that it's all pressurized. So when you push that button, man, it comes out of there. But that's not what happened. I pushed the button, and it was like just kind of drained over the side. And I was like, man, this is a brand new can. They didn't put the energy in it. They didn't put the stuff in it that makes it really come out. So every morning when I get that can, I'm like, oof. Not like shooting out of there. You know, that's kind of like me watching this game today. I'm just not really that passionate. 
And there's this, there's this verse in Revelation um, that has scared me my whole entire life. And it's uh, where it's being revealed about, uh, it's talking about these churches. And it's this letter to these churches. And, and so uh, one of the churches is Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. And the great uh, John wrote this down. He said, uh, this is what the Lord revealed to him. When he talked about Laodicea, he said, uh, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Man, that has scared me. Because that sounds like me. Laodicea sounds like me. And I'm just it, it is a warning to me. God doesn't like lukewarm. God doesn't like cans of shaving cream that don't have the energy to really spurt out the gel. God doesn't like football fans that watch a game and kind of like, I don't care who wins. God doesn't like lukewarm. He'd rather you be firing against Him than just sitting there kind of, oh, whatever. And... That when we get rich and fat and happy, our temptation, and I think this is natural, our temptation is to say, you know, I've I've acquired, I don't need anything. And we lose that passion, that fire that we need for God. The essence of all that we need. Now, now the good news is, is as you read on, um, uh, John kind of lightens up on us a little bit and he says, and and and. God reminds us, and he says in verse 19, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on my throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning... I'd say, whoever has ears, please hear. Please hear what God is trying to reveal to you. And see, this is, this is the difficult task because God is trying to use me, this really imperfect person, and we could talk a long time about all my imperfections, but He's trying to use me this morning to speak to you. And I can't get inside you I know that there's a lot going on inside you. And I know even when you're sitting there calmly, there's a lot inside. And you're probably a lot like me in that you have a lot of thoughts that go on in your brain. And it's hard to shut those down. And so, you know, we use, we use a lot of devices to do that. And so, you know, I'll watch television just to kind of get your, my mind to slow down, right? And not, and not be thinking about all this stuff. And so I don't know what you're thinking this morning, um, but 
I hope that God can use me to say something to you. And what I think He wants me to say is that He passionately desires your heart and that He wants your heart to be all in it for Him. And I know, I know, I know you can do it. I know you can. Because God shows us all the time that when we're really passionate about stuff, we can do it. And we can take these imperfect bodies and these imperfect minds and we can do amazing things. Now, some of you know that I, I really love sailing. And I uh, went to sailing school and um, just a few times in my life I've gotten to use those skills and uh, go out in the ocean uh, on a sailboat. And it is, when you, when you start out, uh, even if, um, even if, if you went to bed late but you're sleeping on that boat, and then you always, for me, I always get up early. And I, I, I can't wait to get going sailing. And there's a lot of work that's required to get going sailing, to get somewhere. And it probably takes two good people, two strong people, about 30 minutes to do all the things that are necessary, if you do it right. You've got to unpack the sails. You've got to check your lines. You've got to uh, check your, uh, the oil in your diesel engine. There's, just, there's a whole myriad of things that you've got to do. And it's really a lot of work. And some of it uh, requires you know, some strength to uh, raise your sails and pull up your anchor. And I love every bit of it. I love it. It makes me tired, but it gives me energy. Because I'm passionate about it. I can feel, I can, I can feel right now the feel of the edge of the sail in my hand. Because I love it. Love it. And even when you're out sailing, things don't always go right. And we can talk about those stories later. But I still love it. And I think that's what we're capable of. That when we're really passionate about something, I think we're capable of putting that passion into love and to work and to do things that are sometimes physically difficult or mentally difficult, but we love it. That's what I want my Christian walk to be. That's what I want to, for us to be as a church, for us to be so passionate about God and what He has done for us that we love it that we immerse ourselves in it, that we can't wait to get up and do the work for our Savior. You know, and, and God doesn't expect perfection. In fact, He is the most aware that you are imperfect of anyone. And, you know, Paul even grasped, you know, uh, really wrestled with this, this imperfection. And uh, we know that Paul had a, some sort of physical imperfection. We don't know exactly what it is, uh, but it bothered him. And so Paul prayed to God to say, three times he said, God, will you take this away from me? This bugs me. And God said, no, no, I'm not going to take it away. 
Because actually, my work is made perfect in your imperfection. And so, as imperfect as we are, God can use us. And we can be passionate. We can focus on Him. If we keep God at the center, at the core, the very core of our being, you don't need to be perfect, but you do need passion. Last week, Brother Jeff, in setting us up for the communion, brought us to the story of Abraham. And when he did, I, I kind of went, darn, I was going to use that story in my sermon. But it's too good for me not to use it. And so thanks, Jeff, for bringing us there. But I just want to point out a few things. I want to point out that Abraham wanted a son for a very long time. A long time. hundred years. He was a hundred years old when he finally got a son from his wife, Sarah. And she was so old that she just laughed. And she made fun of herself that she could bear a son and nurse a son when she was old. And he had waited a hundred years for that son. And so then God says, okay, you got it. Now give him to me. You waited a hundred years. All this time. Abraham's probably thinking, you know what? I've been good. I've, I've done what God's told me to do. He finally gave me what I wanted. Then God says, you take that son and you sacrifice him. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense in human terms unless we know that God is trying to get at your core. He's trying to make sure, am I at the very center? Is that, is that, where, is that where I am? Am I at the center of your heart? Or are you just wearing me on your sleeve? It's a, it's a powerful metaphor for what God is asking of us. You know, the beautiful thing there is that Abraham, when, when God says, Abraham, says, here I am. Here I am. Okay, take your son, take Isaac, uh, you know, take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him, which is a raw deal for Isaac. You know, it's a bummer. It's like, why couldn't I be born into some other family, right? But God said, take him up there. Who's at the center of your heart? Is it Isaac or is it me? And so we know the rest of the story, right? The story turns out pretty well because uh, when Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac, at the very moment he's going to do it, here comes God again. He says, Abraham, Abraham, what's his reply? Here I am. Here I am, Lord. You waited a little long time. About time to call on me again. So, but it's clear, it is crystal clear that for Abraham, even though he probably had the right in human terms to think, I waited all this time. I did what God told me to do. I finally got a son. 
I shouldn't be asked to sacrifice what I waited all these years for. You know he loved Isaac. And the point was, who's at the center? Who's at the very core? You know, Jesus even said this uh, in his words. He said, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So Jesus puts it in the terms of, I've got to be first. And if I'm not first, you don't get it. And I know that you're here because you get that. And what I'm pleading with you and with me and for us is to make sure that we have Christ, we have God in the center of our hearts. So much so that our passion always points us towards God. Always puts Him first. And so you might be saying to me this morning, uh, well, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you take up your cross and follow Jesus? How can I be worthy of Christ? And um, I really think it's about your passion. It's about your love. It's about setting your mind on Christ, on God. So much so that these, all these other things and thoughts in your life, they're there, but they swirl around this centering point, which is God. And that by putting your passion into your life, your passion for God, I believe it will begin to make a difference. Now, I, I not, might not be able to see that difference, but I, uh, I think it will make a difference in your life. Uh, when I was in college, I went to William Jewell College and I sang in our concert choir. And if you've never heard the concert choir from William Jewell, they have a great tradition and, and it's a really good choir. And they sing, um, they sing, you know, what I would say is you know, sort of high art music or fine art music. You know, stuff like, um, you know, Purcell and Vivaldi and all kinds of good stuff. And I just had a blast getting to do it when I was in college. And there is uh, every December... There's a holiday service called City Come Again down at Grace and Holy Trinity Cathedral. And the choir's there and, and uh, they're all robed up and they march around the cathedral and then uh, up into the loft and, and sing. And the music in that cathedral just sort of rolls over the audience. Uh, there's a big organ there. And so it's, um, you know, if you like that stuff, it, it's really good. So, what. Uh, one year when I was uh, in college and singing that service, apparently my uh, parents found out uh, that that was going to happen. I'm not quite sure because I was the kind of son that didn't tell my parents very much about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And so my father was actually working in Kansas City at that time. Uh, they lived in uh, up north of St. Joseph, but he was driving down and commuting and working in Kansas City. 
uh, I think over near Riverside, if I remember correctly. And he sort of had to know my father. My father uh, was uh, born and raised in Oklahoma in the Depression. He, uh, you know, he loved music as long as it was country. And uh, he loved poetry, you know, the kind of poetry that you found in country music, like, there's a tear in my beer because I'm crying over you. <laughs> he wasn't exactly what you would call a fine arts kind of guy. And uh, that was more my mom. And so uh, he was an amazing person, though, and Ellen in the church, and uh, I loved him to death. And, uh, but on, 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 th- on this Monday, when I was uh, singing this service, um, and, you know, having a good time, uh, on my way out, walking out uh, in processional, robed up in the choir, I noticed at the corner of my eye, my dad, sitting in the audience. And, I, and at the time, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional about it because um, my dad's passed on now, so I'm sentimental. But at the time, I, I, I recognized that I didn't know for who I was singing. I was just singing away because it was pretty music. I didn't know I was singing for my dad. And that, you know, afterwards, I, I was, uh, it really meant a lot to me that he was there. there. But it, it would have meant more. And my heart would have been different had I known that he was there, had I seen him when I walked in. If I knew for who. And God knows that you're here. God knows you. He knows your inner voice. He knows the love and passion you have for Him. And I believe that if you sing for Him in your life, with what you do, with the knowledge knowing that He's listening to you, I believe it will make a difference in your life. I believe it will make a difference in your relationship with Him. I believe it will make a difference in our collective love as a church for God, our Father. I haven't asked Jerome to come up um, as we're going to get ready to end here. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. And after that prayer, uh, we're going to sing... And we're going to stand up and sing. And I just ask that you you try to take what's at the center of your heart and know who it is that you sing for. And that doesn't mean you're going to sing louder or that you're going to look any different. But just put it in your heart. Just use the passion that God has given you that He deserves. Sing for Him. And if you have pain or if you don't have a relationship with God and you want to change that today you want to act on that passion in any way when we sing we invite you to come forward so let's pray together Father God to you who loves us and has freed us from our sins by Christ's blood 
You made us to be a kingdom to serve you as our God and Father. To you, God, be glory and power forever and ever. God, we await the day when we see the Lord coming in the clouds, knowing that every eye will see Him. Even those who turned against Him will see Him. They'll bow with all of us, Lord, all of us here on earth. We know, Father, that You are the Alpha and the Omega, our beginning and our end, who is and who was and who is to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bless Your people today, Lord. Bless us that seek You and may we find You. May we hold You in our hearts and may our passion for You always be on display. May we hear Your voice today, Lord. Put our faith in Jesus Christ. Who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before your glorious presence without fault and with great joy? To you, God, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.